What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are, and it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to the Morning Motivation, brought to you by the Patriot Gold Group and the Public Square app on my SiriusXM radio show. We're going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs parade shooting. We haven't done that yet. I was out the last couple days uh, of last week. And uh, how, of course, this was committed by three young black men. Well, two are under 18 and one's 22. It was a personal dispute. So some gang-related thing, but that doesn't fit the narrative, so this whole story will poof go away. Gang shootings like this happen all the time, and they never make the news. Of course, this one did. It was much more dramatic. 22 people were shot, including 11 kids. But shootings like this happen constantly. People just don't want to hear the truth about this. They don't want to get to the bottom of it. They don't want to solve it. It's hard. So instead, they just come up with more government programs to do something that they think will make a difference, pat themselves on the back, and it never does make any real difference. The, the best secular answer to explain this is fathers. More fathers in the home are needed to help young men channel their anger and their energies and keep them away from bad people in situations, of course. That's the best secular answer. The real answer is Jesus. And the importance of giving every kid an identity beyond the street, an identity beyond what the world is telling them. Give them an identity beyond themselves. Life's not about, all about me and, and what people think about me. I'm living for something much bigger than anything that the world can offer me, and nothing can pull me from that. That's how we need to be raising our kids. But no one wants to hear that, of course. <laughs> no, no, could you imagine? No one wants to hear that the solution to school shootings is Jesus. <laughs> but of course, that's the answer. We're going to play this clip on uh, Tuesday's radio show. It's of Roland Fryer. A bit of backstory. Uh, remember Claudine Gay? She was the president of Harvard who was since fired and now still has a $1 million a year job <laughs> that they just made up for her to keep her at Harvard, even though she's not the president anymore. But she, before she was the president, she was the dean of the College of Arts. And Roland Fryer was the greatest economist in the country. He's a superstar. Won all these awards, the genius grants, and all this other stuff youngest black econ tenured professor at Harvard or maybe even anywhere. I know the guy's an absolute genius. All the accolades, all the first you can imagine. All that. But then he did some research on black people and police shootings. Uh-oh. And it was Claudine Gay who had him suspended from Harvard and his research center closed. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. He just did one the other day. 
and I just realized I can't play it because I am traveling right now and do not have my normal setup. So why don't I just tell you what Roland Fryer said, and then on tomorrow's episode, if it's still important, I can play it for you. But his research found that, yes, there was indeed some racial bias from police on low-level interactions with people, but there was no racial bias at all with police and shooting black or white people. And he says all these elites and academics, they, of course, liked the first results, but they didn't like the second results. And they told him that he should not publish his findings. And he said, hold on. What if we found, what if the data found that there was a racial bias in police shootings? Then would you want me to publish it? And they said, yes, of course. It just didn't fit the narrative. Now, it was a 108-page document with 115 pages of footnotes. He says as soon as he released the results, it took about five minutes before people came back and said, your results are uh, blank. Swear word. And he said, wow, you're a fast reader. It's unbelievable how quickly you could criticize this research. I think he said he had 15 full-time research fellows doing the research for the study, and he couldn't believe the results, so he hired another 15 to go over the numbers once again. And it was the same result. Indeed, it was true. He said after releasing this, he had to live under police protection for about a month, month and a half. He had a seven-day-old uh, seven daughter at the time. And he went shopping for some diapers. And he had to have an armed guard follow him. That's how crazy it was. That's how much people don't want to hear the truth. People don't want to hear the truth. And these elites maybe had good intentions, but it's so hard to admit you're wrong. Or maybe some people don't have good intentions. Either way, it's the same end result. But it's those good intentions that we're going to talk about this week. We talked a bit about intentions last week on the radio show as well because we don't, we don't need to go over the details now, but test scores are so bad that you, there's no way they're trying to educate kids and failing this bad. You can't fail this bad. You can't fail more than no kids in the school can read. You can't do worse than that. So I can only come to the conclusion that they're doing this on purpose. So intentionality became a thing that, that's come up lately. So I want to talk about intentions as it comes to the Bible. You've perhaps heard before that the shortest scripture, what's the shortest scripture in the Bible? Very good. Jesus wept. It's not really the shortest scripture. It's the shortest in English, two words, nine letters. But in Greek, it's 16 letters. It's actually 1 Thessalonians 5.16, only 14 letters in Greek. Uh, that scripture says, rejoice always. Either way, whatever technicality you want to throw there, these are powerful lines because they're short. It's like, uh, like John Wayne or something. <laughs> Talk low, talk slow, don't say too much. Short, staccato, powerful lines. Rejoice always. Can I give you one more? Oh, it's a little long. It's three words. Jesus said it. Remember Lot's wife. So Jesus told us to do. He said, remember Lot's wife. Lot was a righteous man. It says in 2 Peter 2, Lot was a righteous man. He and his wife, they left Sodom when it was being destroyed. And she, Lot's wife, looked back towards the city against God's expressed command. And he was, she was struck dead immediately, turned into a pillar of salt. 
And Jesus tells us today, remember Lot's wife. He doesn't say, remember Abraham. He doesn't say, remember Lot. He doesn't say, remember Isaac or Jacob or Ruth or anyone. He says, remember Lot's wife. Quite a warning, especially when you consider who he first gave it to. He wasn't talking to the Pharisees. He didn't say, hey, Pharisees, you better watch out or you're going to be like Lot's wife. He didn't say that. He said it to his disciples. Even to them, he thought it was a worthy word of caution. Remember Lot's wife. I'm going to take this insight here from the great J.C. Ryle. He made the point that Jesus doesn't say, do not be like Lot's wife or beware of acting like Lot's wife. It was remember Lot's wife. J.C. Ryle said that Jesus speaks as if we are all in danger of forgetting the subject. The word remember, that command, is it's more active. Right? You should be constantly be thinking about Lot's wife and what, ha- what, ha- what happened to her. Remember her. So Jesus, of all the people he could tell us to remember, focuses on Lot's wife. And of all the people who could be telling this command to, it's his disciples. And of all the things about Lot's wife, He tells us to remember her actively all the time. Remember her. All right, let's get to the story and then we'll uh, break it down throughout the week here. Genesis 19. So this is the scene where Lot takes in two angels and the men of the city start banging on Lot's doors because they want to rape the angels. And Lot offers up his daughters instead. That's another, (laughs) we could spend another week on that one. And then the angels blind the men, but it doesn't stop them from trying. They're so ravenous. They're so full of lust. They can't stop trying to get inside to rape these angels. All right, we'll pick up verse 12. Then the men, the angels said to Lot, have you anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of this place. For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his son-in-laws to be jesting. They didn't listen. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, up, take your wife and two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the man, the angels, seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. Mm. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Skip ahead to verse 23. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven and he overthrew, overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. I love the beginning of verse 29 too. So it was. <laughs> it's like, well, that's what happened. <laughs> and, so, and so it was. But Lot's wife looked back. And she was struck down immediately. What in the world are we to do with that? And what could we possibly learn from that? Well, there better be something because Jesus told you, remember 
Lot's wife. On tomorrow's episode, we'll talk about who Lot's wife was and how we are a lot like her. MikeSlater.locals.com. Night before transcript, commercial free, MikeSlater.locals.com. <laughs>